be persistent, be annoying, be shameless in everything that you do. Welcome to this episode of Impulse, the Influencer Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Prateek Panda, VP of Marketing at Philo, the universal API for creator data. Joining us today is Julia LeBoy. She started her career at the age of 17 and is already asserting herself within the world of creator operations, having recently founded her own creator, talent management, and brand partnership agency called Harper's Agency. Today, we sit down with Julia to talk about brand partnerships, different ways creators can monetize, especially in the coming economy. This is an episode with insights for both creators as well as influencer marketers, and you don't want to miss out on it. Before we get started, though, don't forget to hit subscribe on your preferred podcast platform if you haven't already, so that you don't miss out on the latest episodes with more valuable industry insights. Thank you so much for joining us, Julia. It's great to have you on the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very much looking forward to this episode. Awesome. Let's get into it then. You've had a very interesting journey already and you're still young in your career. But before we get into that, right, one thing that I like to start off with my guests is give me one hot take about influencer marketing, something that you believe in, maybe not everybody might agree to. Do you have something for us? Yes. So my biggest hot take in influencer marketing is it is not performance marketing. It is brand awareness. When you're working with these mid-tier and macro influencers and you're running campaigns across 30 different accounts in the same niche, you're more than likely going to hit the same customer multiple times. On average, you know, go back to marketing class, you need seven to 10 impressions for a consumer to make a purchase. Influencer marketing is really planting that seed, having the consumer get used to your product and want to buy it from that period. And so, like I said, when you're running across 30 different channels, it's more so when the consumer is going to see and purchase that product on whatever creator account. So you really can't track down what creator led the most sales. It's really only when they decide to buy. Got it. And especially if you don't have any UTM links and stuff that are directly trackable, I guess what you're saying makes even more sense. Some of the things that people have been talking about more recently, even on this podcast, is, you know, in the past, influencer marketing was all about brand marketing. Now it's just starting to get towards ROI and conversions, bottom of the funnel. But you seem to say that even then, brand is the biggest purpose for influencer marketing. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. You are going to have those creators that convert better than other ones. But for the most part, you're really just getting that brand awareness. It's just when that promo code got redeemed, when that consumer decided to buy the product. They could have seen it on Sally's, Sam's, and Jack's channel and finally decided to buy on Mark's channel. It really just depends on when they saw the advertisement, if they even buy during that campaign period. That's why I really do advocate for long-term partnerships because the audience is getting re-exposed by the same creator, therefore more likely to buy from that creator. That's spot on. And in fact, I think even on the performance marketing side, and I've been a performance marketer also for almost a decade, the similar trends follow. The number of times you have to create a touch point before a conversion actually happens has increased a lot over the last few years. So now I think there is recent data on, on the B2B marketing side, at least from LinkedIn, is you need around four to five touch points before somebody starts converting, right? So the same person needs to see the same product and the same 
ad or a similar ad four to five times before they finally decide, okay, yeah, now it's time for me to, you know, fill out a form or buy this product. So I think the similar thing is applying to influencer marketing as well. And you need to get your product out in front of the same audience through multiple creators and the conversions will also start to show. Exactly. I couldn't say it better myself. All right. Awesome. So let's get into a little bit about your career and background. How did you get into marketing? Of course, I feel like I have had a very interesting career path. Right now, I am the founder of Harper's Agency. I just officially launched last month and it has been so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I actually got my start very young. I started working corporate in New York City at 17 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how that kind of happened is I went to a specialized high school for fashion design and I had to complete a job shadowing under a designer. And something about me is I am extremely persistent and I knew nobody in the industry. I had a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, so a 4-3 connection, work at this manufacturing company. And I had asked her, hey, can I do a job shadowing with you? And the company is super awesome. And they said, yeah, like have her come in. And I did a job shadowing that day and I had gotten offered an internship. I told something along the lines of like, oh, like how old are you? And I said, a junior, never specifying I was a junior in high school and not junior (laughs) in college. And they had offered me a fashion design internship. And then this was in the winter, a couple months later during the springtime, they said, hey, can we change to social media? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So it has led me down a very exciting journey. I kind of call myself a digital renaissance woman. I have done a lot of different things within the digital marketing industry and influencer marketing. I did a lot of UGC. I worked with a lot of major retailers as well as small indie brands. I had done a couple modeling gigs as well as a lot of freelance work in the social media space doing a myriad of different things. But I really found my love in influencer marketing. So that's where I plan to stay. That's awesome, Julia. You've had uh, one heck of a journey already. And for all the younger listeners on the show, right, what would you advise them? Of course, one of the things that's a clear takeaway here is just get yourself out there. A fourth degree connection, most people won't even try. So uh, for all the younger listeners out there who are wanting to get into influencer marketing, what would be your advice for them to get started? Honestly, I know it sounds like very simple advice, but just start. I'm a big believer, if not now, when? So keep going, be persistent, be annoying, be shameless in everything that you do, and it will be worth it in the long shot. Like I've been told no many, many times in my life, but I'm happy that I tried and it has led me to amazing opportunities that I couldn't be more thankful for. A lot of younger people in the industry, especially high schoolers, I think that's such a wonderful time to get involved. Get on LinkedIn, message people. More often than not, people are happy to help. Like if anybody reaches out to me, I'm so happy to get on a call with them, tell them what I know, how I can help them. Just keep trying, network. Awesome, Julia. Yeah, to add to that, I think, especially if you're a young person and you're from the Gen Z category, a lot of brands are trying to understand this audience better because Gen Z is really that upcoming generation where they're getting ready to, you know, now make 
more purchases and they're getting into that age group right which brands want to sell to but they're also the most intriguing generation that we've ever seen they are have a high risk appetite they also are very picky about what they want to uh, you know attach themselves to and want to feel part of a community and a mission so there are so many uh, aspects about even understanding the gen z audience that can be super helpful for a brand. So if you're a young person and you have a good understanding about your generation, that's good value add to bring to the table right away. Exactly. All right, Julia. So from there, let's go ahead and understand what a typical day looks like for you at Harper. You've recently founded this agency. I'm sure it's a busy time. What does a typical day look like for you? Yeah. So as a founder, every day looks a little bit different for me, but I'm somebody who I live by a schedule. So my whiteboard has everything that I do on it, as well as my Google calendar. Something I found out earlier in my career, which I'm very lucky about is time management and time blocking. It really helps me stay on task. So every morning, 9am, I'll sit down, my head down for an hour and say, this is what needs to get done this week. This is my priorities. And this is what I want to accomplish. And that really helps me. It has like a roadmap for the rest of my week to go on. So I stay with that time blocking as well as, you know, things you didn't expect come up and you have to work with those. But I really try and stay true to the schedule I make. That's awesome. Staying organized, of course, you know, is a major, major productivity hack. Actually, it's not even a hack. That's what people should do. But it's a hack because it's hard to stay organized, uh, especially when you have so many things to do. Exactly. Cool. You've had some experience helping out creators and influencers as well, and you've been on the fashion side of things. A lot of our listeners are influencers and creators as well. What challenges are they looking forward to, especially in terms of monetization in the near future? And how can they overcome these challenges? Yeah, definitely. I see monetization being one of the biggest hurdles a lot of creators are dealing with continuing to monetize. I believe it's critical for creators to find out how to make money outside of those brand partnerships. Nobody ever knows what the algorithm is doing. Views fluctuate and budgets change. So we're seeing this happen in a lot of different ways. We're seeing creators maximize affiliate programs. We're seeing them build merch lines. And I think my favorite thing that I really see on the rise is the uptick in courses, digital products, and a lot of creators starting their own companies. So that's amazing, right? Do you think that there are some particular tools or techniques or even strategies that influencers can use? Like one thing you mentioned is don't just rely on the brand partnerships. We are actually going through a slightly tougher time in the economy and looks like that's going to continue into next year as well, which means there might be actually lower budgets and lesser opportunities. Of course, the data does show that influencer marketing spend is still going to increase. But irrespective of, you know, just brand partnerships, what are some other things influencers could do and you know that it works? Yeah, as I mentioned before, really honing in on those affiliate programs for creators who have those highly engaged audiences. There's a multitude of different platforms that they can use this on, whether it's for their clothes or things in that nature. But I'm really two really big ones I'm really seeing creators and everyday people make a lot of money on is TikTok shop recommendations, as well as the Amazon influencer program. I feel like they are such great avenues for creators to explore to make that extra money. Another thing, too, I'm seeing a lot of creators add on to is adding in that affiliate bonus when working with brands with your normal flat fee. Okay. I think it's a very simple thing to do, but it really helps. Awesome. So you did talk about influencers and you also mentioned everyday people, right? So at what point do you think 
you turn into that influencer category is there a follower count is there an engagement level can anybody really sign up for some of these affiliate programs what point do you start taking it more seriously yeah so the best part i think especially about the influencer program and i think the tiktok shop is exactly like this anybody can sign up as long as you have a profile and you're active on it there's no follower limits for a lot of them you just need to be active I think anybody and everybody can be an influencer. You know, we're seeing the rise of UGC and your micro and nano creator. You know, you're seeing the girl you went to high school with, with 3,000 followers. Suddenly she's working with your favorite brand and doing UGC for them. I definitely think there's a difference between an influencer and a creator and a creator and an influencer. So for those micros and nanos, I might use the term creator more so to refer to them because they do have a smaller audience, but it is engaged and they're creating high quality content. That's awesome. How do you, we're talking about a lot of brand partnerships and promotions. We're talking about product promotions, even if it is affiliate or so on. You know, end of the day, people follow certain creators because they like their content. They like certain things about them and they're able to relate to them, right? So authenticity and that kind of engagement is necessary. How do you draw a line between how much of promotion is okay that it doesn't start to then, you know, uh, worry your audience? Definitely. I think something about promotions right now is creators should be more selective on who they collaborate with and be very intentional about who they work with because we're seeing now a lot of creators being held to a certain level of social responsibility for working with brands for a multitude of different reasons. It could be financial, ethical, social, whatever it is. We're used to creators just collaborating with the brand to make like a quick buck. But now audiences, they're speaking up and it doesn't look good for the one, the creator, to the brand. If a a creator wants to remain authentic and true to their audience is really picking brands that will resonate with that audience, as well as between those ads, making sure you're posting original content. Audiences can tell when an influencer is in it to make a lot of money or because they have a passion for it. So I think the creators that are authentic and love what they do will really know how to navigate this area. Got it. And let's talk a little bit about brand partnerships from the brand side as well, right? Have you seen brand partnerships also evolve over time with influencers? Are they more adaptable? Are they giving influencers the creative freedom that's necessary to do well? I think you made a really great point about creative freedom and brand partnerships with that, because that is something that is lacking a lot. Creators know what their audience wants. They know what will perform well on their channel or their accounts. They know what their audience wants to see. When we're limiting that creative freedom for creators, we're limiting how well that ad would do, honestly. Got it. I've seen a lot of creators hand in like high quality ads and get turned away from the brand. Even if they made all the talking points, they still got turned away. And the creator's telling me, it's like, hey, like that ad would have done really well, but why did the brand tell me no? So I think that's something that needs to change a little bit in the brand partner space is a lot more creative freedom for creators when they hit the talking points. Cool. So Julia, another thing I wanted to ask you, right, more from the creator side, but this also applies to brands. We have so many platforms today. There's even amongst the big ones, there's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. For every platform, the content strategy is different. Uh, The monetization strategy is a little bit different. So if you're a creator, it's really hard to spend time and grow all of those. So you have to mostly like pick one or two. How do you decide what social platform to focus on? 
honestly, there is no right answer to this question. (laughs) It really is dependent. Honestly, some creators are dynamite at short form content and other ones thrive in long form. I think the biggest thing that creators really need to consider when they're deciding, hey, what platform do I really want to excel on is one, which one you can remain the most consistent on. Two, which one feels more authentic? And more importantly, which one their audience enjoys the most and which one they enjoy doing the most. Got it. I think that's spot on advice because personally, I've been in this soup as well. I would call myself a B2B influencer more uh, more so that I can relate to. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And I've had a lot of people come up to me and say that, you know, TikTok has a lot of B2B content these days and you can talk about B2B marketing and so on. But I'm not that person on TikTok versus who I truly am on LinkedIn, right? And it's very easy for me to have that authentic conversation on LinkedIn, whereas it's equally more difficult for me to do that on TikTok. And I'm still trying to sort of play around with it. But I think all of your advice was really spot on. Does the same apply to brands as well? I've had brands also come and ask these kind of questions where should we go start a TikTok handle now, right? And we are pretty active on Instagram or we have social handles. Should we go start a YouTube channel? How would you address that? Yeah, it's sort of, again, it's the same advice I would give brands as well, especially brands. I feel like they know who their ideal customer is and they know where the ideal customer is most active on. Something I think is really cool is I see brands taking on long form now. They're going on YouTube and they're making videos, which I think is super exciting. And I'm very excited to see how that evolves over time. We're usually seeing brands be the most active on TikTok and Instagram. So I would say like those are honestly the go-tos. But uh, something like you mentioned with the B2B influencers, we're seeing that on the rise. And it's going to be very interesting. I'm seeing a lot of brands now start to do LinkedIn advertisements. I'm seeing a lot of ads on LinkedIn from respected founders and CFOs. And I think that's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, sure. So uh, there's a lot of advancements happening in technology with respect to influencer marketing as well. And we are seeing AI that's making life easier. We are seeing these virtual influencers that are starting to get popular as well. What are your thoughts around this entire space and what's going to happen in the future? Definitely. This is a great question. I personally love AI, especially when you learn how to leverage it correctly. My rule of thumb is you have to learn AI before it learns how to do your job. So there are a lot of big conversations right now happening around it in the entertainment industry, but it is a very, very nuanced topic. Like you brought up, you know, virtual influencers. We're really now seeing to how the public reacts to them. I think a great example right now that just happened is Meta's new chatbots. They're using the likeness of Mr. Beast, Charlie D'Amelio, Tom Brady, these huge influencers and celebrities. Before I say I don't support or support AI using likeness, digital doubles, voice clonings, things in that nature. I really do want to see how it evolves over the next year or two and how that kind of went about. What did each person involved agree to and what was it intended to look like? My next question for you is with all this future technological advancement and a lot more creators coming into the space, it's going to get more competitive uh, to do fair negotiations with brand. And there's very little information out there on how to best price your content, right? And do you have any tips on how creators, if they're starting out now, how can they sort of do this fair negotiation with brands? 
Yeah, definitely. There is a rise of platforms actually helping creators. A big one right now is Canopy and FU Pay Me. They're having creators anonymously share what they got paid, what their experience was like, more importantly, working with this brand and how much they got paid for deliverables. I think that is going to be very exciting to see in the industry. I'm a big advocate in everything for equal pay and transparency. So apps like that are going to be especially helpful. So do you think talking about equal pay, right? I, I think the transparency part is pretty clear. What do you mean by equal pay? Does it mean that if you have a similar range of follower count or engagement, would you get paid something similar? Or how would it work? Yeah, so really having that equal pay, I know there's no standardized pricing in influencer marketing. Every creator either has a strong suit or a niche where you could price them accordingly. But I think finding that generalized area, I've heard of creators undercharging themselves by 80%. I've seen creators charging $200 when they should be getting paid at least $1,000. So I think brands too, being honest and saying, hey, this is the budget we had allocated for your account and this is what we're going to give you. I understand business is business. You want to save money. But I think just being very transparent on being equal and paying people what they're worth if you know they're undercharging. Because I know I had been experiences like that for freelance jobs that I've done. I had a brand tell me, hey, we allocated this much money for you and you're charging us this. You know, this is going back three years ago and I'm incredibly thankful that somebody spoke up and told me that. Yeah, and I think that's going back to the point we were talking about long-term partnerships and long-term connections because that's how you build those long-term partnerships. You can try to skimp your way into if somebody did ask you for less and you could have paid more or you should have paid more, you would realize over time that the creator is going to be aware of that as they grow and then they're not going to prioritize your brand, right? So they're going to remember you in days when you really helped them through that struggling journey. So I think that's really good advice. I'll move on to something that I think is a really fun question. There are so many influencers out there, but if you had the chance to take somebody out to lunch, who would that person be and why? Yeah, so hands down, I love this question. It is Trish <laughs> I know she has her controversies, but in the age where I really grew up on social media, she was the first influencer I started watching. And she is extremely open about her mental health struggles and is apologetic for her previous faults. And you can really see her. She has turned her life around for the better. She is thriving right now with a happy family and a very successful podcast. And I think she's just a true example of you could really overcome things, especially when you had your entire life in the limelight. That's amazing, Julia. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure, um, you know, a lot of people in the world are going through mental health challenges. And I think they would love to, you know, follow this creator and get more insights and help as well. As we get close to wrapping up this conversation, if somebody is just starting out in influencer marketing as a marketer or as a, on the brand side, what advice would you give for them and as they start and launch their first few influencer marketing campaigns? Don't be afraid to ask questions. I feel like a lot of times as young professionals, is we want to sound like we know more than we do. In reality, you don't. So always ask questions. There's always somebody senior that is willing to help you and willing to guide you. You have to learn to do something the right way before you can do your own twist on it. Got it. Thank you so much for those advices and comments, Julia. I think this was a very fun episode. A lot of takeaways for creators, a lot of takeaways for brands on the marketing side as well. Anything else you would want to share with our listeners today? Just keep creating. 
create content. Even if you're scared, post it, keep networking. If you want to start in the industry, just do it. That's amazing advice, Julia. In fact, when I started out this podcast not too long ago, I was researching and trying to reach out to people who host podcasts themselves. And I was telling them, you know, I'm nervous about it. And how do I get started? What kind of devices do I need? And so many things, right? Almost everyone who had achieved some success in the podcasting world just said this, right? Just go ahead and publish. No matter how much you invest into your tools and equipment, you know, a year or two down the line, you are going to hate the first few episodes that you ever did. It only gets better with time and it will get better only once you start posting. So start recording, start posting and it will happen. And I truly can see that happen as well. Thank you so much, Julia, for joining us. It was great to have you on the show. Good luck with your agency and your new journey. We hope to have you back on the show sometime soon. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julia. Impulse, the influencer marketing podcast is brought to you by Philo. Philo is the easiest way to get access to authenticated creator data from hundreds of different platforms. To know more about Philo, visit getphilo.com. That's get p h y l l o dot com. Also, make sure to search for Influencer Marketing Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast listening platforms. And don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Philo, thank you so much for listening.